for listening to the Life Church Boise weekly podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Well, if you brought your Bible, go ahead and get that out today. If you've got a Bible app, fire that up. Let's get into some stuff. Anybody ready? If you would, find with me the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We've been uh, teaching, and by the way, of course, those who filled in last week, Pastor Bill did a great job, and others doing a great job filling in while, while we were uh, out of town. And, uh, but we've been in a series over the last number of weeks now. And uh, I'm continuing along these lines. I, I think this way on purpose, meaning I, I never, I said, I shouldn't say never. I, I try not to cover things too quickly. Um, I'm not trying to give everyone, uh, uh, you know, everything there is on a subject within any given message. In part, because I want it to be retained. And I think there's great value and benefit to putting our mind on a particular truth and revelation and keeping it there for week after week after week instead of just saying it and cruising on to the next thing and often it doesn't settle or land with people in a way that it can permanently alter the way that we do life. And so I want to continue along these lines that we have been on uh, today. And beginning, I want to read three verses. We've read these to you multiple times. I want to read them pretty quickly today. Uh, If you would like to look them up, great. If you'd like to just listen, uh, uh, because this is prior to us getting to Hebrews in a little bit. All right. First of all, 1 John chapter 5. Notice verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, our faith. And so if someone is not uh, overcoming in life, they are not a world overcomer in practice, in, in outward ways, then faith would be the area to give attention, all right? What, what, what do you believe? What are you believing about your life and about what happens to you? And then Matthew 9 Matthew 9, verse 29, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. That's Jesus talking. According to whose faith? Your faith. Let it be to you. And so if I don't like what is to me, I should check up on what I believe because my believing controls what is to me. Yeah? This is good news because we can control the outcome by fixing our believing and setting our faith in specific areas. And then Mark chapter 9 and verse 23, Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things. That's a big word, right? All things are possible. Who is it possible to? Anyone? Everyone? No, no, just those who believe, all right? So if I want to take the limits off my life, then I need to believe right. I need to believe. I cannot say, well, you know, I just struggle with believing, and some of us do that. That's not acceptable. 
Don't let that be acceptable with you. That, well, I just don't know if I have faith. or that. Then get some. There's no shortage of it. You can get some. There's plenty. <laughs> you're believing something, and your believing is very much tied to what you watch, what you listen to, what you pay attention to, what you meditate on. And so your beliefs are there, and they're alterable. And if you want all things to be possible, then believe. And believe what the Lord has said. And so it's not the will of God nor the power of God that determines our outcome in life. Say, whatever God wants to happen. No, no, not whatever God wants to happen. There are a whole bunch of things happening that He doesn't want to happen. You know that God is not getting His will in a lot of situations. Yeah? It's not His will that any would perish, but that all would come to a knowledge of the truth, yet people are perishing right and left. Why? There's God's side, and there's our side. There's His promise, there's His provision, there's His grace, there's, there's His goodness, but then there's our believing. And this is essential, that we believe unto change. So our receiving is according to our believing. Yeah. Everybody with me so far? If I want a different result, I should give attention to the specifics of what I believe about my results. Yeah? Someone says, I've heard this many times over the years, they'll take a situation, well, I believe such and such uh, about this. Um, let's take healing, for example, because it's easy to illustrate and we all have bodies. If you don't, well, I don't even see you. <laughs> so I can't talk to you. Uh, so, so someone said, I believe that God can heal me. Good. I believe that. How's that working for you, though? You believe that God can heal you. Are you healed? Because if, if, if that belief produced a healing in your life, good for you. But if, you're, if you say, I believe God can heal me, and you're still having physical problems, then you might want to believe something else. You know what I'm talking about? Or something in addition to that. I don't mean that's a wrong belief. That is a right belief. But you might want to believe something in addition to that. That will produce a change. Because your current belief is not producing a change. Amen. Someone said, well, I believe, I believe that, that, that God wants me to be healed, that it's His will for me to be healed. Good for you. How's that working? Huh? I mean, I believe that. That's a good belief. Did, is that producing a real tangible change in your body? If not, you need to change what you believe. You need to believe something in addition to that. Because I wouldn't say that's wrong either. That's the right belief. You need to believe something else. Hallelujah. Everybody still here? Well, I believe, some, people say, I believe that God's going to heal me. Good, good. When? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering right now, what's that belief doing for you? What is that belief producing in your life? And if it's not producing anything, then you know where the issue is. Does that make sense? See, I, I need to believe something that produces a change. And you can have a good belief, you can have a right belief, but maybe there needs to be more added to it. 
Maybe there needs to be a honing, a refining, an understanding that goes beyond a theory, goes beyond the possibility of what might be, and it brings it into my present tense reality, my experience of life. That's the kind of belief I'm talking about. That's the kind of belief we're interested in. And if our believing up until this point is not producing that, then giddy up, let's get some more understanding. Amen. You, you might recall what James said uh, over in the book of James. He said, you believe in God. You believe there's one God. He said, good job. You're doing well. By the way, the demons believe that too and tremble. So what's the point? Is that a correct belief? Yes. Does it automatically produce change in life? No, not necessarily. Demons believe that, so you're right on par with them. At <laughs> least you're up to that level of faith. <laughs> believe what the demons believe. See, you understand we can go further. There's more to believe. It's not just a general belief in God's existence that gives us victory. And since this fixes everything, and we've established that over the weeks, that's what we've called this, this fixes everything everything, it makes all the sense in the world that I would give all my attention to this so my everything can be fixed. And if I have something that's not fixed, I need to get some more of this. I need to believe right in that, in that specific circumstance and situation. Now, uh, we were sharing with you uh, last time about fake faith. Remember that? Fake faith or feigned faith. Many people are not living in the reality of what they believe. Uh, they say, I believe this, but it doesn't match how they conduct themselves. And that's kind of a phony belief. And we need to get out of theory land, out of fake faith, into the real deal. You know, they say, I believe God, I believe this, or I'm trusting God for this, but then they do the opposite. So we got to get out of, of uh, it's kind of religious in reality. You just, it, it's just a, a theory, and it's not producing results. Um, a person might say, I'm believing, a single person says, I'm believing God for a spouse. I'm believing God to send me the right person to marry. Okay, that sounds like a great thing to believe God for. But then they go on frantically searching and living their whole life. They can't think about or focus on anything else because they're so caught up in finding that person. Well, you're not in faith. You're in you. You have faith in your ability or inability, whatever, to make it happen. And then they settle for someone of deficient character that the Lord would never have them marry. Never have them connect with. See, you can say, I'm believing God, I'm trusting God for this, but that's not real until it plays out in how we live. A person said, I'm trusting God for, for my needs to be met. I'm trusting God for, for some finances, and, uh, uh, but then they're skimming off the till. You know, they're cutting corners and, or they're putting pressure on people to give them money. They're getting on Facebook and telling people, send me money and I need this and fund, go fund this and go, you know. You know what I'm talking about? No, don't stop saying you're trusting God. You're, you're trusting in your ability to convince people. Or you're trusting your ability to get away with something and, you know, make a little money under here that's kind of a little underhanded. That's not, that's, see, that's fake. We've got to be genuine. We've got to be the real deal, the, the, the real genuine article in all these matters. Everybody okay? 
Or someone said, I'm trusting God for my finances, and they're spending the tithe on themselves. See, that's not faith in God. That's not trusting Him. That's relying upon what you know, what you can see, and, and, and that. It, it's time to let our faith be real. I like examples of people who really are living in reality, the real deal. A couple weeks ago, a woman came up to me after our third service, and, uh, and she said, I was either going to the emergency room today or to church. And I'm talking to her, so she obviously, and I'm thinking, she looks fine. She was hurting really bad. She was really in a bad situation. She said, I decided to come to church, and in the, service, in the middle of the service, no one around, no one else knew, the power of God hit her and set her free. I think, what's going on there? That's real. It produced a result. Now, if she'd have gone to the emergency room, I wouldn't be throwing stones at her. You know what I'm talking about? It just needs to be real. If her faith was there, like, I have to do this, okay, then do what you believe. But, but you see how that works. When you, when you say, I'm believing God, I'm trusting Him, I'm standing on His Word, then it, it is manifest in how we conduct ourselves. Amen. There was a guy uh, in, in, the, in the Scripture over, we read about it in the book of John, but the, the, he was called a nobleman. Don't put that up yet until I'm ready for it. Uh, <laughs> using my peripheries. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, the nobleman's son had a, he, he had, uh, the, the son was sick and close to death. He came after Jesus seeking help. And it's very interesting to me what, uh, what Jesus told him. Because uh, when, you, when you read over there, okay, I guess we're ready. Uh, in John 4 and verse 50, Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. Now, he's going to Jesus to try to get Jesus to come back and minister to his son. And Jesus says, go away from here. Go away from me. Now, unbelief would say, no, I'm not. I'm not leaving you. I'm whole, I'm, you're coming with me. Jesus said, go. What happened? So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Sometimes you see faith demonstrated when a person leaves. They say, okay. He said, it's fine. It's fine. And he walked away with no evidence of his son living or being made well. But he left the answer, what would seem. He left Jesus, the healer, and went away. So you can see our believing is often revealed in many different ways, but it is shown in what we do. And when he left, of course, then he ran it into his folks and stuff, and his son was healed. And if he found out later, it happened at that very moment that he went his way. Amen. When he left, that's when the power of God intersected his family. Amen. Did you find Hebrews chapter 1? Hebrews chapter, or not one, excuse me, chapter 11 and verse 1. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. It reads, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right. Now listen to this from the New Living Translation. That was New King James. This is New Living. And faith is of things hoped for a confidence of matters not seen 
a conviction. I want you to think about some of these words here. When we talk about faith, talk about believing God, um, look at these words. Substance, evidence, um, confidence, and conviction. Conviction. When you have faith in God or the faith of God, you have conviction. You have confidence. You have substance. You have evidence. This is no flimsy thing. This is no uh, wishing. It's not fantasy. It's not hollow. It's not based upon the unknown. It is a very solid, I can bank my life on it. I can write checks and cash them. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's substantive. Faith is genuinely a spiritual force that carries us, that enables us to do what we could never do without it. It, it, it affords us the very benefits of the riches of heaven to be manifest in the physical earth. This is something that is so valuable. Faith recognizes what is not seen as not only existing, but also sufficient to base life and death decisions upon. Notice, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. Notice that phrase there, not seen. How many understand that not seen is not the same as not real? Not seen does not mean it does not exist. It just means, what? Not seen. All right. You, you could really probably put all the five physical senses in, in the place of seen. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's the substance of things not seen, or you could say not felt. Um, but again, it doesn't mean that something is not present. It's not real. It's not there. We are not talking about putting our faith in something that doesn't exist. Everybody with me? Say, so we're, we're believing for things that don't exist to come. No, we're not. We're believing that things do exist, and our belief in that existence brings them into the seen realm into the physical realm, but they must start in the unseen realm. We must acknowledge them before we see them, before we feel them. We must believe in their impact upon this realm. Otherwise, they never touch this realm. And others who live in the flesh and just live by sight, they look at us all day long and say, what are you guys doing? You're believing stuff and it's not even there. No, you're just blind. Serious. It's, it's not a matter of something not being there. You cannot talk me out of things that have changed my life that I presently have as a part of my life, but yet I couldn't show you a picture of it. I couldn't say, here, here it is. Look, look. I can't do that. It's in the unseen realm, but it is so real, more real to me than many physical things on this earth. And this is where, when we have this understanding, we can start to access God's best. Christians are often mocked as ignorant for worshiping something they cannot see. We lift our hands in the air and we worship a God we cannot see. But how many understand, it is the height of arrogance 
for someone to say that something does not exist or it's not real simply because I can't see it or I don't know about it, therefore it's not there. What a proud punk. Did, did I, I, it's the double P I was going for there. Uh, you think about it, I mean, do we really want to think that where, where we believe, if I don't know about it, it's not real. If I can't see it, it doesn't exist. You even look at human history, and you look at, you know, modern technology and medical advances. How many things for hundreds and thousands of years existed, but no one knew about them? If people were just going by sight, you talked to them just not too long ago about germs. How, how many would say, if we were to go back in time we'd, to some of those days when they didn't even wash before they did surgeries and stuff, you know, they didn't sanitize things, and, and we were to say, what are you doing, man? You can't operate in this environment. You can't, there are germs, they're going to die, they're going to get an infection, they're going to get, and they would look at you like, what kind of fanatic are you? Germs, there's nothing here, look. What? You believe something you can't see, and then of course microscopes are discovered, and they found out uh, bacteria and all these these different types of things that exist. But again, how many generations have come and gone? They never knew about that. They never knew it existed. Do you think it's possible there are some things today, not just in the scientific world, but in the kingdom of God, things that exist that we can't see? can't show you a picture of, can't give you a physical demonstration of it, but doesn't mean it's not there. And, and again, for me to say, well, it doesn't exist because I don't know about it. Whatever, man. I, I just don't want to be that. I don't want to be that proud. I want to humble myself and say, Lord, teach me something because my knowledge compared to the knowledge of the universe and God Almighty is, ooh, very small, very small. Amen. It's called an exalted intellect. People exalt their intellect, their puny intellect, above everything. And we have to run everything through it before we can determine whether something exists or not. And this is where faith steps in, and, uh, and we believe for something that has never been seen. Amen. If you go down to verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 11, it reads, By faith... We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. There we go again. Watch. Everything we see, where'd it come from? Well, it was made, it was created, not by something that doesn't exist, but by something that can't be seen. Yeah, there are all kinds of things that exist that are just not visible to our eyes. And this is where it takes a person of faith to stand up. You know, I mean, we're, we're told and it's taught in our school systems and everything that, uh, you know, millions or billions of years ago, uh, nothing exploded. And here we are. I mean, there's a few steps in between, of course. But there was a, you know, there was a big explosion and that's what created the universe. And, uh, well, I, you know, I just kind of have a problem with what exploded. 
I don't know, call me crazy. I'm not telling you what to believe. I just, what exploded? And if it, if it was nothing, how does nothing explode? And if it was something, where did the something come from? I just, I just ask questions, you know, when people present things and say, this is fact and this is the way it is. And by the way, there's no science involved in that. That can't be proven. That's, there's no, uh, you can't reproduce that. And, and when things are presented that way, all it's done is try to present something that says God was not there to speak and create. And so you have to come up with something else, but there's so many holes, it's illogical. And some of it to the, you know, the extent of there was nothing, or maybe there was something, we don't know where that something came from, but something was there and it exploded and it created this universe and our earth. You know, that if it were a little closer to the sun, we'd fry. And if we're a little further away, we'd freeze. That's a, we're in a pretty sweet spot, aren't we? Right? I mean, I know it's too cold in Idaho, but <laughs> for, the mo- for the most part, <laughs> it's pretty habitable. It almost sounds like, the, you know, the concept of, uh, of going down to the junkyard and throwing a bomb in the middle of it, and out comes a Mercedes. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Is random, you know, <laughs> just all came together, an explosion, and boom, it all fit, and everything worked perfect, and here's my point, they're just, uh, this is the way the kingdom of God works, and people look for all kinds of ways around it, but he values believing, he values faith, amen, uh, go with me over to the book of John, John chapter 20, and uh, I have so much more to say that we're, I'm going to have to push back some till next week, but uh, John chapter 20, have you ever seen those, uh, those pictures, I, I've seen some of these years ago floating around on the internet, pictures of um, construction jobs that went wrong, uh, you know, where someone built for example, like a staircase, and it went right into the ceiling, or, or, you know, some kind of plumbing issue, or I saw one where the stair, they were, the staircase went down, but the handrail went the opposite way, so it was kind of like, like that, so the further you got down, the handrail was going up, and, uh, you know, and it had the little caption, it said, you only had one job. <laughs> And I think about that. Uh, yeah, God in His wisdom and might and ability and great love for us has pretty much fixed everything. I mean, He designed this master plan of redemption and Jesus came and bore our sin and bore the curse so we could be born again. And one day I'm going to be in heaven for, with Him. And, and He has done all this stuff. And there's one thing He requires of me. You know what that one thing is? Is that I believe. And how many know that often that caption can fit us? Dude, seriously, you had one job. <laughs> and we want to add all kinds of stuff to it. And how many know basically it goes like this? Stop doing, trying to do it yourself and believe that he did it for you. I mean, be, put your, but it's one thing. It's believe on him. Believe in what he did. And if we could do whatever we need to do in life to adjust and focus our believing, our Father is pleased. 
He's pleased with it. And I'm telling you, not only is he pleased, it works. It produces real life results. In John chapter 20, this is after Jesus was raised from the dead. And uh, he had visited, he had shown up to his disciples, or some of them anyway. And he came back again. It, let, let me, let's read over here, John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, in his hands, the print of his nails, I will not believe. Notice that, that language there. I will not believe. And, and, and did I skip ahead? And put my hand into his side. I will not believe. And, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. I think it's interesting, first of all, after John uh, uh, Thomas proclaiming his unbelief, declaring, I refuse to believe that. By the way, don't do that. <laughs> Let's not be like that at all. If you ever find yourself where you're honestly saying, I have doubt or I'm struggling to believe, that's one thing. When, a, when someone's heart is genuine, we can fix that. That can be repaired. Unbelief is not a permanent condition. You can go from unbelief to belief. You can go from wavering to solid as a rock. Many of us have done so. And if you're not there, fine. You don't need to beat yourself up, but we can get there. We can go there together. and You can be solid as a rock. But I never want to be like this, like Thomas, where he says, I will not believe unless I see it, unless you can show it to me, unless I can stick my finger in the holes. I, I just refuse to believe that. That's a, that's a wrong heart. Okay, let's never be that way. But this is interesting to me that Jesus waited eight days to, t to talk to him about it. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and sit on that for a little over a week? <laughs> Your refusal to believe what everyone else around you had just told you they saw. You know, and if people tell you, hey, I was healed or I saw this, this miracle take took place or God answered this prayer and you're just the biggest skeptic in the room, watch out, man. I'm not talking about being gullible. I don't fall for everything that's said. But I, I never want to be the person that won't believe. Because I'm cutting off God's supply from my life when I'm that way. All right. And so he waited these eight days. He came back. By the way, he came in not using the doors. That's one of the perks of a glorified body. You're going to have one. You know that, right? Yeah. They can, this even happens nowadays from time to time. It happened with Philip where he was translated. He went from one place to another, just like that. And these kind of things happen in our time during this dispensation. Seems to be on occasion. It's, it's a, be a, you know, a working of miracles, but translation from one place to another. In the next dispensation called the millennial reign of Christ, we're all going to be doing this. All believers with glorified bodies will be able to jump from China to Australia. To <laughs> How fast? Poof. We don't even need doors. We just show up. Your body out right now is already mostly air, so they say. Or your, your, your glorified body is going to be able to do things that are really nice. Amen. Never have to, no more diets. <laughs> no, more, no more issues of any kind. 
What a good day. Okay, verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Jesus pointed him out, and he didn't pet his unbelief, did he? You'll find this was common in Jesus' ministry pre-resurrection while he was on earth, post-resurrection is when someone didn't believe, he never said, oh, that's okay. Oh, Thomas, you know, <laughs> you've, got, you've got unbelief. You know, everyone has unbelief. It doesn't really matter because I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do independent of what you believe or not. Did he ever say that? Never implied it, never, never implied it even in the slightest. Jesus would actually get on people's case when they had unbelief. So what should, we, what should we do with that? We should see it as a serious issue. I mean, if you had something growing on your arm one day, all of a sudden you look down and there's something growing on there, you would probably go, ah, you know, and you do something about it. You do, well, I got to stop this. This is, is going to overtake my arm. That's a serious issue. Well, what if you had unbelief? Would you take that serious? You know, if someone said, if someone uh, was found to have a cancerous tumor or something, they would say, hey, yeah, that's kind of serious because that can kill you. What if you had unbelief in your heart? Would you take that serious? Would you go to any length? Would you do whatever it took? Would you, ha would you have some serious spiritual surgery and say, I'm going to root this out of my life. It displeases the Lord. It cuts off his blessings from my life. It's just not who I am. I am a believer, not a doubter. I'm, I'm not going to maintain this life of unbelief. See, if we take it serious, we'll root it out. We'll deal with it and we'll come out shining. We'll come out bright, believing God, solid as a rock, full of substance, full of conviction, full of confidence. Amen. And that's the way we're supposed to be. And when we run up into impossible situations, while everyone else is going, ah, what are we going to do? Freaking out, worrying, fear. Here we come, in the right, walking right up in the middle of it with complete peace, saying, no, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Why? God is here. His promises are true. He's faithful to do exactly what he promised he would do. So we're not going to worry about this. And then we pray, we speak, we proclaim, we do what we do in Jesus' name. And I tell you, that's where God shows up. Amen. Say, well, I'm like the other person. Ah, freak out. I know, fine. Stop it. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's time to move beyond that. You recognize that not as just, well, that's who I am. No, you've got a problem. But it's a solvable problem. It can be fixed by inhaling large quantities of God's Word and turning the TV off for a while. Yeah, it can be fixed by hang, hanging around uh, friends who are full of faith, ha finding some other people who believe God, who, who are able to be calm in the midst of a storm, finding other people who will show you how the kingdom of God operates and surrounding yourself with that instead of all the crazy unbelief that's, that's there out there now. See, it's fixable. But if we take this serious, we're going to rise up. We're going to go forward. We're going to do things that we, we would never have done before. Amen. I tell you, right believing produces seeing. But the believing must come first. 
believing must come first. And this is how the kingdom of God works. Because over and over again, we'll, we'll look at more of this as we go. Over and over again, we see that faith and sight are contrasted. And if a person says, I won't believe that, that I'm healed until I feel healed. Really? Because you'll never get it. That's not how it works. It's just not. You might be a fine person. I'm not saying you don't, have, you don't love God, but you won't get it that way. It doesn't work that way. So I said, I'm never going to believe that my needs are met until I see the money in my hand. Dude, you're walking by sight. The, the, the universe was not created that way. You were not created that way. You didn't get saved that way. And nothing else in God's kingdom works that way where we demand I have to see it and feel it before I'm going to accept it. No, you got to flip that around. And when we flip it around, there's God. There he is. That's when he shows, that's when the manifestation of God's provision comes to pass in our lives. Everybody okay? Amen. I tell you, we have, we have some, some room to grow, which is good news. Yeah, it's good news. We're all, we're all coming up together. But the more we refuse to walk by sight and live just a carnal approach to life, the more we can step into God's provision and his victory and his power and, and all the things that he wants to do. And it becomes our normal way of living. And how many know once, once you begin to live like this on a more consistent basis instead of up and down and in and out and roller coaster uh, type of mentality, it, it becomes natural to you to trust him. Whereas right now many live, it's very natural. I have a need, who am I going to call? You know, I have a pain, where's the medicine? It's just a natural response. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're just conditioned to think that way. You're conditioned to think and live your life as if God doesn't exist. You give only when you think it fits in your budget. So God doesn't have to exist, basically. You can do certain things that people expect you to do. And if God is there or if he isn't there, it's not going to make a difference. But faith, true faith, puts itself in a position where it can't go back. Where I'm going to trust God, and if he's not there, this is not going to go well. But I'm doing it because I believe he is there. And I've got specific words. I've got his promises on this situation. And so he's faithful. He's going to hold me. He's going to sustain me. He's going to back me up. He's going to provide. He's going to come through for me. Therefore, this is why I act. This is why I live. This is why I do what I do. Amen? If, you're, if you base your salvation on what you feel like today, you are a roller coaster. Have anyone ever, any, is, has any true believer in here ever woken up and you didn't feel heaven? <laughs> oh, so, some, you guys are way beyond me. <laughs> you didn't feel saved and have you ever, you, you are loved of God whether you feel like it or not. You're forgiven of your sins whether you feel like it or not. And the moment we start to accept that, it produces stability, it produces strength in us, and every other blessing from God works the same way. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you, and have a blessed day.